This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is Mike, and I will always be in your hearts and on Twitter at I am Mike White. And this is my final episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. cry when i said the heart thing you can't see me so yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> my heart cried it yeah. did i think it i did. have a medical i know condition. i can tell it's raining in there because i will always be in your hearts yep and your, your heart is crying so it's I raining you, i don't know your metaphor is falling i hope apart. that you cover the water damage in my apartment it's a really lazy <laughs> lazy metaphor for a, a guy getting his master's in english <laughs> Hey, listen. <laughs> it's 7.15. I'm taking the night off. Uh, welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and find the corresponding blog at obsessiveviewer.com. And also come see us at Indie PopCon on June 26th to the 28th here in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Convention Center. We'll have live recording at the booth and a lot of fun stuff uh to to you know giveaway and stuff i don't i don't know we, we're still kind of figuring it out uh tickets are on sale at indiepopcon.com so as we said at the start this is mike's final episode for the foreseeable future which uh means like three months right yeah yeah something like that <laughs> <laughs> no so we so we announced it last last uh last week on the podcast that mike is uh going to be yeah hopefully you're not leaving. completely blindsided right now Right, because I mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned we mentioned it at the end of the episode. So if you just kind of cut off after our Age of Ultron review, Mike's leaving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hate to break it to you. So, yeah. but you know, it's for good reason, and it's on good terms. You know what I was thinking about today was that it's you know in the past we did seasons, right? We right. kind of did this by season, and this would be the end of the spring season or or the end of perhaps season 2. And so like a main character is leaving the show. It would. At well, the finale of season 2. You know, that's sure, uh I'll agree with you and then kind of completely knock it down. Um jeez. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. No, uh when we were doing seasons, I I the reason why we stopped doing seasons for the show <laughs> was that we started the podcast on June 21st and that was the first day of summer and then like each year of the podcast would have been four seasons and that right. got like really numeric. But uh yeah, this is if this were a TV show, we were we are in like the end of the normal uh network season and this is this is uh we're killing we off just Mike. finished sweeps <laughs> yep. yeah we just finished our big Mar uh marvel cinematic universe sweeps episodes uh -huh. which by the way um quick note before we actually get into the main topic of the episode uh we <laughs> i realized after we finished after we finished and released the la uh, last week's episode that phase two of the marvel cinematic universe actually ends in july with ant-man <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but in our defense, it was originally planned to be the kickoff of phase three, but at some point they, they switched it around. So it's not totally on us. And, uh, yeah. And so 
so with this episode, this is Mike's final episode uh, until, you know, years from now or a year and a half. I, I'm th- I think I'm going to yeah. pin it to that. For eventually. Eventually he'll be back, and he'll be back at s- certain points. So we wanted to do something special for this episode, and uh, I feel kind of dumb because it took us a while to really hammer down what exactly we were going to do. Um, and then, Mike, you had this idea to basically – bring up your top 10 favorite movies of all time list yeah and uh that just and it hit us like why why wasn't this what we were going to do in the first exactly like this was the this was like what like this is what we needed to be this this episode from the beginning so that's what we're doing this this week we're going to be discussing at length mike's top 10 favorite movies list now me and Tiny, we don't really do top ten lists and stuff like that, but Mike, why don't you tell us about your process in selecting your top ten favorite movies and and what makes you so list centric in your movie viewing? Um, you know, I've I've always I've always listed making lists as one of my top hobbies. I love making lists and I don't <laughs> know why um exactly, but I think that you know, a lot of my identity lies within um, knowing things about movies and liking particular movies. And so when I when I talk to people and I talk to people about movies, it's always interesting what they're into. And, you know, if they say, hey, my favorite movie is blank, I can say, oh, that's my eighth favorite movie or whatever. And it's kind of a conversation piece um, I, that sounds fancier than it really is. The truth is I just like to rank every aspect in my life. I mean, my my favorite foods, I know my favorite songs, my favorite albums, my favorite shows. Um, but the the one that I love is my, my top ten favorite movies. As you guys know, uh, listeners, we do kind of our top ten movies of the year every year. And I've done that as long as I can remember. Um, and so the top ten movies of all time is something I started probably in the middle of high school. I decided on a uh, – like I watched a movie that I hadn't seen in a long time. Decided it would be my favorite movie, my number one movie. Um, and then, so it's, it's kind of in flux. So every year or so I, I redo my top 10 list just to kind of see where I am at that time. Um, it's obviously unofficial. I mean, not, not that it can be official by any means, but, um, it's always in flux. I love the idea of seeing a movie, uh, that, that will kind of crack my top 10. Um, I will say that, the most recent movie to crack the top 10 was in 2008. Uh, and so it hasn't been, hasn't been changed since what, but the, the numbers have changed since. So, um, yeah, I just, I love making lists and I love talking about movies. So it's kind of the, it's kind of the Venn diagram of my favorite things. Nice. So what criteria do you have to, to add? Like, what does a movie have to do to crack your top 10? Because, uh, during our Marvel retrospective, you mentioned that, in time, uh, uh, Winter Soldier could crack your top ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, also on another episode, I can't remember which one you said that uh, about time may actually, uh, yeah, do that as well. So what what criteria do you have for, um, for you know? Selecting? There's the early test if you go in and you're just wowed by a movie that that puts it in consideration. Um, lately I look at my, my top 10 movies of the year and they're always kind of in consideration for what makes a top 10. Um, and I also have to urge that it's not the best movies of all time. Of course it's not. That's, that's not possible. That's, it's by far, um, 
too subjective to say this is the best movie of all time. And I would never, ever dream to admit or to, to try to convince somebody that something is the greatest movie of all time. Right. Uh, and I don't care what you think of The Godfather. It's not the greatest <laughs> movie of all time. There's no such thing. Right. Uh, and so these are my favorite movies. They're, they're the ones that move me the most. They're the ones um, – there, there is something a little narcissistic, I think, about this list. They're the ones I'm most impressed to call my favorite movies. You know, I think they're the best uh, conversation starters. There's a – there's a there's an aspect of my list that kind of lends itself to my identity and saying this is these are the movies that kind of make me who I am and so um, you know while a movie on there might make someone roll their eyes how did that end up on there well it it represents me so that's uh, you know I am made up of these ten movies in this particular year um, there's a timelessness to it. Um, there are movies that just I consider they stand the test of time so. Some of them I might argue as best movies. You know, we do our we do our vault movies, um, and so some of the vault movies that I've suggested have ended up uh, are, are on this list. And so there is a there is a quality to it, um, and a, and a long lasting aspect to it. Um, and then finally, when I see a movie, I th- and I um, I think about the movies that are the reason I see movies. I've said that a lot. I said that recently. Um, you mentioned The Winter Soldier. Uh, and when I saw The Winter Soldier, and I just felt giddy with excitement. Like I was I was happy to see Captain America on the screen. I was happy that movies like this are made. I was happy to call myself a movie critic and a movie fan. It's movies like that that really get me going and movies like that that end up uh, on this list, the ones that are um, remind me why I love movies so much, basically why I do this podcast. Clearly, you put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe a little. I, I I don't have a script with me, so that was <laughs> that was all off the top of my head. But um, you know, I I do I well, I haven't thought about um, you know, I don't I didn't sit down at one time and think about why movies end up on my top ten list. But I I I'm always thinking of why I like something. I I always think you should have an answer. I think you should always qualify why you think something. So that's right. that. Um. And I also have to add that I know that this is not really the way you guys work. I know that you guys do your top ten end of the year lists. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe as a service to me, I don't know. I appreciate it, but I think um, for me that's that's the case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Oh no, um, it, it but yeah, I love top ten killer. lists, and so uh, the guys are going to go through my top ten list with me. Yeah, and you mentioned that um, one of the things you mentioned about um, it, it being about you the, these movies kind of making up like who you are as a person i count off the top of my head one two three i think one of them is but uh three movies that were filmed in chicago perhaps uh, more? Uh, let me see <laughs> with two of them taking place in chicago or having having yes that is true that scenes is correct. involving chicago <laughs> that is correct yeah that's which, funny and I watched uh, two of them last night, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that, that's why." Yeah. I, you it. know what? Honestly, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe one of them. One of them for sure. It, it, that that's part of it. Yeah. Um, and then one of the things I love about another one is part of that. Um, okay. But no, I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think their inherent Chicago ness is the reason right. on this list. That is a good point, though. Yeah, I just and, and I think that says something. No. It says something about my city. Yeah, exactly. And that, that makes me kind of wonder if uh, Source Code has a chance of ever breaking in the top ten. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's on my. 
I actually did a top like twenty five list. Nice. And I'm and I think it's on the top twenty five. I don't know. Wow. It's, yeah. It's up. I love that movie. Oh, me too. Mm. I need to I need to revisit it actually. So why don't we go ahead and just get into the meat of the of this topic and uh, discuss your number ten? We're gonna Let's go. Do it. In- Let me do a quick, really quick. I'll I'll breeze through fifteen through eleven, just okay. so like if you if you don't like me and you don't like these movies, <laughs> they're all kind of similar similar to this. So you can turn off the podcast now. <laughs> Thanks for the click. Download the next episode. Uh, 15 is The Departed. 14 is The Matrix. 13 is Shawshank Redemption. 12 is The Social Network. 11 is That Thing You Do. Uh, so you can turn it off now if you don't like any of those movies. Number 10 <laughs> is uh, Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight from 2008. Yes. So, And this is the most most recent movie on this list. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, huh. I, you know, when, watching, when lo- going through this list uh, last I night. By a lot, actually. Yeah, that's true. By like ten years. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. That is. Yeah. The next movie. The next movie is ten years. It's junior. Right. It uh really speaks to the quality of the Dark Knight and the endearing factor of it. I mean, when going through this list last night uh, and watching a couple of these movies in preparation, I wished that I had time to watch the Dark Knight again. But that's kind of. That's kind of always how I feel about The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that I had time to watch The Dark Knight again. <laughs> Hell, when watching one of the movies I watched last night, I saw scenes that were shot in the same location as The Dark Knight, and I was like, oh, man, I, <laughs> I need to watch The Dark Knight again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't you just give us a rundown of, of what you love about The Dark Knight, and then we can go um, into discussion about it. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast, uh, then you know when we did the when we did the Nolan retrospective. My the main thing I had to say about the Dark Knight was I love that it is a crime drama that just happens to feature Batman. Uh, you know what really can't be said can can be said about the Dark Knight that hasn't already been said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the best. It is the best. <laughs> I know that I just said that we're not supposed to do that, but <laughs> you you you'll find you won't find a lot of people who will argue with me that it is the best. Uh, movie based on a comic book character. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there is so much to it. I love that it um, shies away. It, it kind of gets away from um, you know the the standard plots of those type of movies. I love that it has a theme that um, you know Chris Nolan picked a theme and went with it. Um, I love obviously the performances of uh, of uh, Heath Ledger. I love. Um, even even uh, Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent, I think, is is pretty exceptional. The other thing I argue for The Dark Knight a lot is people forget how awesome Batman's arc is in that movie. I mean, I know it's the Joker's movie, and people talk about how amazing the Joker is. He rightfully won that Oscar, but um, I love the Batman story, and I, I think it's great. The the line that people deserve to have their faith rewarded is is pretty cool. So um, it's it's an easy number ten for me for sure. Absolutely, and as as. As disheartened as I was with with Interstellar and how much that that movie kind of made me reflect on uh, Christopher Nolan's body of work as a whole, and kind of what my main issue with Interstellar was that it kind of opened my eyes to some of the tricks that Christopher Nolan has played in the past, and 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 some of the things that he's implemented in his movies that were kind of repeated to me in Interstellar. And that still hasn't tarnished The Dark Knight for me. <laughs> like, I railed against Interstellar, but The Dark Knight is still pristine to me. And 
it's it's just a really incredible movie, an incredible ride um, throughout throughout its considerable runtime, but uh-huh. it's it doesn't feel that way. And the use of his use of IMAX cameras is just astonishing in that movie. Also, um, yeah, it was so astonishing, in fact, that it took. And this is embarrassing to say, but it took several several viewings before I even rec- recognized the change in aspect ratio between the cameras. Yeah. Me too. It was um, it was weird, I, right? You told me about it, and I looked for it once, but I I didn't notice it initially. Yeah, it's that's uh, it's it's just really really engrossing. Uh, tiny. What do you think of The Dark Knight? Uh, it is delightful. It is a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, I can't really top what you guys have said. But yeah, it's it turned into a, a pop cultural phenomenon. Um, and I think it's really just a cultural phenomenon now. I don't think it's quite poppy because I think it's going to last. I think it's going to last, you know, through time. I think it's going to, I don't think it's going to like, it's, it's not going to fail to communicate with future generations. I think it's going to hold up over time because mm-hmm. of, it's 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 basic but still rich themes and like Mike said performances and uh-huh. setting uh, artistry that's involved in it. I mean, just everything. It's I, there's nothing. There's almost nothing bad to say about the Dark Knight. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. it's uh, there are a couple like choppy edits there, but I mean that's like that's the most. Yeah, are uh, you talking about the 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 chase scene on Lower Wacker or Lower Fifth, whatever they call it in the movie? No, but I remember seeing a very long video explaining why that doesn't that why the editing in that sequence makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I, that video makes no sense whatsoever. I I kind I couldn't really focus on it. it Me neither. Ironically enough, um, but I mean I I guess it it makes. I understand the point that they were trying to make. I just didn't care enough to really follow it. Um, mm-hmm. But because they were saying like there's there's shots that that um, there's it's rife with continuity errors and uh, the locations are are nonsensical or something like that. It, it really tried to lay into it, but I was like, I've never after like no knowing that this is a thing, um, knowing that this is a this is this is a thing in in. Uh, for detractors of the movie, it still doesn't really dis- d- distract me from it. I mean, I'm I'm sure that's probably their job, and I don't mean to dismiss somebody's job, mm-hmm. uh, but and I hate the phrase. It just seems like trolling. Like, uh, does anybody hate this movie? Why do they? Why? Why? I, I guess it's their job. I answered my own question, <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems so nitpicky. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember uh, reading a review of it when it came out because I used to do that. That used to be one of my favorite things was to get the local newspaper and read reviews on Friday. Um, and it was, I think, it got like, gosh, I want to say it got like three out of five stars. And and I was, I, I don't even remember the the lady's qualms with the movie, but it was just, it was just so like, like this was clearly not your kind of movie. And yeah you shouldn't have been the person to review it because it's not your thing. And all you're going to do is just try to poke holes in it and find stuff that's wrong with it. And yeah, I I think those are the only kinds of negative reviews that exist for this film. Mm -hmm. And it's barely negative at that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I can understand it. Like if I'm, if I've found the video correctly, it's a 19 minute and 30 second video. Um, dispel like basically critiquing the editing of, of the, uh, sequence, 
in question the 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 truck chase scene um and i mean i'm not going to say that there aren't it's it's not a perfect movie and it's not like it's not like nolan and his editor are like above making mistakes in any way or anything um but it just didn't it didn't prove problematic to me i could still follow it i could still follow what was the action that was happening and that's the most important part of it is that i could make sense of what was happening on screen and maybe if that's their um maybe if that's their field of of like if they're professional editors or or something like that then then maybe it makes i don't know um but I, i i don't know if i would call it nitpicking that particularly um i just would say that it's not something that i have ever had a problem with in the several, several times that I've seen the dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and, and this is kind of slightly off topic of this, but it's adjacent to it. Um, well, okay. The dark Knight really set a, a standard for really for comic book movies. Um, and it set the tone for a lot of imitators, um, that, that were released in its wake. I mean, even now, like this is nearly a decade later. Um, it's like what, seven years later. Um, we're seeing like fantastic four trailer has like a kind of dark, ominous kind of tone and it's, it's kind of gritty and, and stuff like that. And then we see, uh, there was one other example off the top of my head, I guess Batman V Superman is kind of, similar or, or man of steel was man kind of, of like, steel, a, yeah, steel, yeah sure. there we go. Yeah. Man of steel was like, I think in our, our review of it, I think, uh, Mike, I think you said that this was, uh, the dark Knight version of man of steel, which is, Absolutely. which I mean, we really, really did not like that movie. And, and that was part of the reason why I couldn't connect to it. And, but we're seeing now, like we're, there's a, I don't know where I'm going with this, by the way. Um, there's a shift going like now it's Marvel is kind of having their heyday. And now that we're doing shared universes and stuff. And now this is where I'm going with it. And now (laughs) suicide squad is reintroducing the Joker to the big screen. And there's a lot of um, criticisms about the depiction in the promotional uh, picture that was, that was shown. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about that, Mike? Um, I, you know, I've I've kind of taken a stance against anything that they're doing really in the DC universe uh, <laughs> these days. I just I really don't care about the Suicide Squad. I never cared about the Suicide Squad. It's it feels so blatantly uh, obvious universe building, mm-hmm. um, and so they're just introducing all kinds of these characters that we know they're hoping spin off. Um, so they can do whatever the hell they want with Joker. I, I, I know that that's not what a fanboy is supposed to do. I, I'm sure that I'm supposed to analyze it a little more and tell you what every tattoo means and why it's stupid. But I think the movie's <laughs> going to be stupid. So uh, hopefully I'm wrong and I come back on the podcast when it comes out to talk about it. Um, and it's awesome. But I, I don't think it will be awesome. So they can do whatever they want. Jared Leto. I'm calling it now. When Suicide Squad comes out, Mike is going to come back with in total fandom of it with a tattoo that says damaged on his forehead in solidarity to Jared Leto's performance. <laughs> it's, I'm not saying that it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, so the dark Knight. I mean, like, like we said, there's really nothing more that 
can be said about this movie that we haven't already said on the podcast and hasn't been discussed ad nauseum throughout the last uh, seven years or so. Um, it's just, it's such a fun and thrilling and disturbing movie that's really driven home by a performance that's out of this world. Like if, if Heath Ledger hadn't passed away during it, I, I can't imagine what what kind of doors this role would have opened for him mm-hmm. um, because it is one of the finest performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Word. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Moving on, mm-hmm. let's go back 10 years uh, to 1998. Is that correct? 98. Yes. Roughly, yeah. So this is the second most <laughs> recent movie on this list. <laughs> and then it gets old. Uh is can't hardly wait. I think this one is a little less obvious, a little less of a shoe in. Um, it's definitely it, kind of why I wanted to do this episode was to tell the stories about why these are on my uh, top ten list. Um, you heard me talk about the movie when we did our um, when we did our our coming of age movies, uh, one night party movies, one night party movies. There yeah. we go. Still one of my favorite episodes we've done. Yeah, me, me too. too. Yeah. I loved that episode, yeah. uh, and Great. because I loved the movies we watched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, I would argue, stands among the best of those. Um, I think Days and Confused m- might be, I don't know, the better quality movie if we're playing that game, but I am not. Uh, so Can't Hardly Wait kind of hit me at a time. I actually saw it in junior high, so I was a little younger, I guess five years younger or so than the people in the movie. But um, what I loved about it was kind of saying, oh, that character is me, that character is you, that character is John, that character is, you know, and we would play that game and kind of be those characters and watch it. Um, My friends and I would kind of spend the night at each other's house every other weekend. It was like clockwork through junior high, and we'd watch it once a month. I mean, we we loved that movie. And so Mm -hmm. this one is definitely a nostalgia pick for me. Um, But I think the quality of the movie, the quality of the humor – uh, and the quality of what it represents about being a teenager in the 90s uh, holds up. I, I think it's a solid pick. What do you guys think? I agree. Uh, it's it's one of one of my more beloved movies, actually. I, I really, really loved this movie when I first saw it. I think it was like in 2000 or maybe 99. And I, I just really connected to it, even out of – at a young age of like what 13 14 years old um it was kind of the depiction of it with it was kind of it was kind of uh clickish in its different uh caricatures of of different different social i guess high school social uh classes i guess but it wasn't spoon feeding these clicks or these or these different personas to me the way that say uh, Saved by the Bell would, right? Because uh, Saved by the Bell was just really after school special cheesy kind of level of uh, crap. But um, can't hardly wait. It was just kind of this fairly fairly well grounded, um, almost satirizing. Uh, depiction of of '90s high school life, yeah. and uh, and unrequited love, and which I mean, Preston Myers is kind of kind of stalkerish, but he's endearing too, and he's, he is super endearing, yeah, and fully endearing. I mean, there is no, oh, yeah. 
I think there is a little bit of send up in the movie, but Preston Myers is one hundred percent earnest. Oh yeah, and and it's uh, you really uh, like I really connected to to the character uh, throughout it. I, he's just a hopeless romantic, and and you got to love that about him, even at even at a high school grade, or maybe that's maybe that's part of the charm is that he's you know just just exiting high school, and that's what really pulls him to define him or, or to confront the thing that has defined him throughout his high school career. And that's something that just kind of, kind of spoke to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I wanted to be Preston Myers for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I did too. He made out with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I have kind of a strange relationship with the movie because I never, I wasn't into it when it came out. I never, I didn't see it. I think, you know, in 1998, I was 11. Um, and my parents hadn't quite let me start seeing rated R movies, but this is PG 13, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of like sex in it and stuff, or, right. you know, sexual scenarios. It was, yeah, it was of the, it was of the American pie age. Right. Yeah. And, and in the, uh, one night party movies episode, we actually, Mike, you actually mentioned that it seems like they, they kind of, you imagine that, that, the people that made it probably a couple years later when American Pie came out were probably like, crap, we should have went the rated R route. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it, it might've been the next American Pie or the first American Pie. Right. Anyways, I think, I, I think I, I, as well as my parents kind of lumped it in with, with the American Pie group, like, like Mike just said. And so I just never really saw it. I think I saw it in high school, maybe mm-hmm. on uh, Matt's recommendation. I'm pretty sure I borrowed his DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, and watched it that way, and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's fun. I liked it. It's fine. I, I wasn't really into like the teen, the teen movies when I was a teen, which is just it's antithetical. But that's kind of how I was back then. I was a little more snobbish. Um, but when I watched it for our one night party movies episode, I loved it. I mm-hmm. thought it was fantastic, and I laughed my ass off and related to so much of it, and thought it was great. I really, really liked it. Uh, it's a fantastic pick for this." Um, for a top 10 and I think it stands alone on its merits but I think it's it's especially poignant because the movie really having watched it like last year when we did that it really demonstrates the shift that kind of went on between you know the generation x kind of wrapping up and the millennial generation that we're in Mm -hmm. now kicking off it's, mm-hmm. You can see those things blending in that in this movie really well, and you know it's kind of a a silly comedy, but it has those kind of interesting serious themes in it, or not necessarily themes, but just characteristics and traits that you can kind of pick up on. And you're like, yeah, that's that's interesting how we did it back then, and you can see see how the new generation's kind of taken off while they're <laughs> shaking off the mm-hmm. the characteristics of the old one. It's it's kind of fun. I, I probably overanalyzed that a little bit, but no, I think no, that's, I right think that's on pretty the... good. I oh, think yeah. it's because I, I watched it as an adult. I really appreciated mm-hmm. and enjoyed it as an adult, and that's why I see those things. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. great movie. I, I like it. It's a fantastic movie. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I may edit this out, but <laughs> my ex girlfriend actually still has my DVD of it, which <laughs> you know sucks. Whatever. Yeah. Well. I mean, we're still on good terms. I I asked for it back, but she hasn't given it back. But oh. anyway, uh, how can you be on good terms? <laughs> yeah, good terms, right? my ass. <laughs> Yo, I gotta have sex tonight. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, peep this. 
I won't, because I think I, I think I did that on the. I think we all did that on the on the one night party. Times. I am ninety two percent sure that we did that on <laughs> on the one night party movies episode. Yeah, but can we talk about the soundtrack to this movie? Because my yeah, God, one eighty two, man. Oh man, third I, eye blind. I I love. I will go. I I can't remember if I went on record saying this or or if I thought of this later or or if we discussed this off the air. But I will go on record by saying that the the uh. The use of Blink-182 in this movie may be my favorite, like, licensed music in a movie um, <laughs> ever. Nice. Uh, because yeah. it's so, so perfect. So, yeah. It's pretty awesome. I, oh, was, yeah. I was never a big, uh, like, kind of pop punk fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never... I mean, it's... Blink's awesome. I cannot say anything bad about the music. It just wasn't like when this movie came out. I was really getting into metal. <laughs> like when you guys were listening to Blink, I was memorizing Metallica lyrics <laughs> like a kind of a d bag. But yeah, yeah, I was getting into metal, so I didn't appreciate the music as well. But well, yeah, it's, we it's, all it's, like what we like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. but I'm yeah, I mean, bad. all kind just killer needle drops in this movie. Oh yeah, um, just like it's a party, right? So it's like '90s parties party music, which is all '90s alternative. Um, kind of, I guess, like you said, tiny bleeding into into pop punk. But I think that goes along with what you were trying to say about the kind of the generation evolving into something a little newer. Was there's you know it starts with Third Eye Blind, who were kind of pioneers of pop rock music in the mid '90s, and then in the late '90s, Blink One Eighty Two kind of came on the scene. And they're at the end of the movie again, a little too much analyzing, but I don't think you're off base too much. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I really want to revisit this movie. Aren't there like yeah? Were there like three Smash Mouth songs in this, or am I thinking <laughs> of a different movie? There is. I kn- I can think of one. There's one. Yeah. In in when the, uh, uh, when Jennifer Love Hewitt first gets the letter. First gets the, uh. Then there's two because when she first comes ah. into the room. Oh, is that is that no? That's wait. No, no. When she first comes into the school. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. But the other one is uh, what is it? Uh, Sneaker Pimps. Oh, I don't know. Is that a band? N- no, I, I, I had no idea. It is now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's Sneaker Pimps. Six Underground is the name of the song. Okay. Take me down. Yes. Six Underground. Underground <laughs> beneath your over. I love yeah, it when Sneaker Mike, Pimps. I love when Mike does that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Our own little obsessive viewer needle drops. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I adore this movie so yeah. much, and and uh, it's a great well one. worth well worth being on your on your top ten list. And thank you. Yes. Um. So then my number eight pick. Moving on incredibly slowly. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go back to Chicago. Uh, for the Blues Brothers. And so the Blues Brothers is important to me. Um, because it is the most Chicago of the movies on this list. I mean, oh, Chicago. Yeah. The, I've, people throw around this phrase a lot, but I think it's true that Chicago is a character in the movie. Um, so so much of this movie has to do with Chicago. There's there is blues in Chicago. It's the um, it's not the it's not the home of blues, but there's a lot of blues in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so when I was younger, I had I still have an uncle. Um, who is uh, incessantly quoting movies. In fact, when new people meet 
this guy. They're not sure uh, if he's speaking to them in earnest or doing a quote from a movie. Um, <laughs> and he really sticks to three main movies. At least before his kids were born, he stuck to three main ones. Now he quotes like uh, Nacho Libre, School of Rock, and Napoleon Dynamite. But in the past, <laughs> it was Austin Powers – uh, Blues Brothers, and this is Spinal Tap. So nice. um, I knew most of Blues Brothers before I even saw the movie. And then one year for Halloween when I was maybe eight and my brother was six, she suggested we be the Blues Brothers for Halloween. <laughs> and uh, and we were. And so we rented the movie that Halloween to kind of to kind of uh, study our, our characters to get into characters. <laughs> and what's so fun about the Blues Brothers and, and uh, a girl that I dated – a long, long time ago, um, was pleasantly surprised to find that it's a musical. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. And you you wouldn't think I, – I mean, I guess it's about the Blues Brothers and, and their musicians, and it's about getting the band back together. But uh, it's an SNL movie. It's the, it's the first SNL movie. Um, and so I, you would think it's just a straight-up kind of uh, slapstick comedy, like a, a sketch drawn out into two hours, but – it is a really um, successful, and I mean that financially, and also it pulled it off, musical. Um, I love every number in the movie, uh, and I love the performances, and I love the, the Chicago-ness of Blues Brothers. It's, it's, an easy, it's an easy pick for my top ten. Nice. Tiny? Never seen it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a gap movie for me. Wow. Yeah. There we go. Uh, I can't fault you for that because i just watched this movie for the first time last night yeah. the first time wow. the first time and whew, all right uh i have notes on the screen right now um <clears throat> first of all he clears his throat <laughs> first of all i just want to say that chicago uh, chicago f***ing pops in this movie it's, it's so, it so gorgeous. beautiful it's absolutely beautiful in this movie um i love the there's a scene early on where um, Elwood gets Jake out of jail and they bring him home to their apartment. And so the L is going by. Uh, mm -hmm. And he says, how often does, does the train go by? And he goes, so often you won't even notice it. And that's so true oh. and such a Chicago thing that the sound of trains is just always happening in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I want to – okay, I'm, I'm going to go into my feelings on the movie. Um, and I want to preface this by saying that I went in – pretty much completely blind from the snl skits like I've, I've i don't think i've ever seen a blues brothers sketch um uh -huh. ever um and i'm really i'm really glad that i i watched this movie mike because uh it kind of reminded me of the way you felt about 2001 <laughs> um, oh no because <laughs> i just could not connect to this movie Really? At all. Yeah, it was it was such a bizarre experience for me because they're doing these these antics and, and I, I kind of I didn't expect it to be quite as absurd absurd humor, absurd situation kind of kind of kind of comedy. Uh -huh. Um but I never really adjusted to it. Like it kind of it kind of felt discombobulated to me like I, I couldn't really latch on to it and and it kind of made me just kind of just sit back and, and watch it instead of you know interacting with it in in terms of of enjoying it <laughs> i think that's what i love is that it's it's still an snl movie 
Um, so it 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 has that uh, ridiculously silly mm-hmm. sketch humor to it. Um, you know, a lot of it. Are you guys still there? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sorry, I felt like I lost you. That's a cool. lot of it feels like sketches woven together, but um, you know, the idea that they're on their mission and that they there there are plot points that go through, and they kind of take a break for uh for a musical interlude every now and then. I love mm-hmm. it. I thought the musical numbers were were good. I I, I mean, I thought they were they were all right. Um, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin's was a little amazing it was it sounded amazing but just the the adr work on it was was oh yeah that's true really distracting to me but i mean it sounded just i mean obviously i mean aretha franklin all the all the musicians in the movie just nailed it but Mm. i just found it really hard to care about the plot (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was it was just kind of uh i think part of it was that and this is going to sound harsh, but I really couldn't latch on to Elroy and Jake. El, Elwood. Elwood. Elwood, sorry. Elwood and Jake. Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Um, it, it kind of felt like they they were they were played it not not necessarily didn't, they didn't necessarily play it straight, but they they were kind of the, they brought this dry um reaction reactionary. dry white toast. <laughs> Sure. Oh man, <laughs> dry. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly like that kind of that kind of tone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They they were kind of just they were just dry, and it was kind of like they were just react like th- their dry reactions to all the kind of ridiculous situations and and goofy stuff that was all going on around them just just really didn't they it really felt kind of flat to me. Uh-huh. Um. I will say this, however, um, something about the way that John Landis shot all the chase scenes, like the car chase scenes, really, really resonated with me. Um, nice. Yeah, it, it may be because, like, I because as a kid, I I grew up watching Dukes of Hazard uh, with my dad, and just seeing those kind of like seventies, eighties cars, like mm-hmm. that are like just big boats basically yeah. squeal through city streets and, and going through turns and spinning out and losing controls. Like something about it just really tapped into uh, my sensibilities as, as a, as a movie fan. And I'm, I'm downright shocked that I never came across uh, the blues brothers uh, when I was a teenager, when I, when I loved watching car chases on film, like I, I would Google like best car chases in movies. Wow. Um, yeah, and I don't think I ever came across the Blues Brothers, or maybe I kind of, maybe I subconsciously, like I saw that, I, I saw it on the list, and subconsciously thought, oh no, that's a comedy. They're, they're not going to have a good car, uh, car chase, because yeah. the chase through Chicago at the end of the movie is one of the most enjoyable chases I've ever watched in a movie. <laughs> it's so so good, and it's so well well shot and everything. I just wish that I could have connected to the rest of the movie the way that um, I could with that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. I don't hate it or anything, but it just uh, I I just couldn't really find a find a way into it. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. Do you like the... blues music all that much? Not really. And I'm not even re- I'm like I'm not really a big musical kind of kind of person in general. So that that could have also been a part of it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry for ruining your last episode of the podcast, Mike. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Oh, wait till we get to Star Wars. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to stay in the 80s. 
Uh, we're going to talk about vacation. Um, and I think this is, oh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to look at my list. Yeah, I, I didn't want to do to actually vacation came out in what? 79, 70, I think so. 77. I think it was. So we're not in the eighties. I don't know what I'm talking about. You guys, it's my last episode. <laughs> I'm on my way out. It's 1983. <laughs> we are in the eighties. 83. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, I brought this up when we talked about our favorite dialogue. Uh, yes. There, the this movie is um, it's early on in the Chevy Chase oeuvre. Um, you know, it's his first one of, if not the first movie post Saturday Night Live. It's the one that kind of made him a star, and rightfully so. I I don't know how I feel about the remake. I, I think it'll be all right. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of of the ilk that I I believe that remakes don't ruin the classics. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, Vacation is just a movie I watched so many times in high school that I that I can't help but have it on, on this list. In fact, um, those last three are kind of recent entries, at least in the last five or six years or so. Um, Vacation has been a top ten mainstay since uh, high school. I don't know. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tiny, what do you think of Vacation? It is a classic, undeniable classic. Um, I think it's fantastic, too. I just haven't watched it in so long. I think um, I was oversaturated with the movie because I've probably seen it at least at least a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And that was probably within like a two or three year period. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's just it's one of those things that like you quote it and you forget. It's like it's become such part of like the lexicon that you forget that it's a quote from a movie. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's become part of culture sort mm-hmm. of um it's it's that level of movie and it's it's that way rightfully so mm-hmm. i rented this movie from google play store last night and watched it and i i had nice. watched... did you have yourself a little 80s <laughs> i basically how many did, did you watch how many of my list did you watch just just these two these two okay. yeah um and i watched vacation having watched it before i watched it when i was a kid um and I was I was shocked at how little I remembered of it. Um and <laughs> it was like the opposite experience of watching the Blues Brothers because man ah oh, I how I every joke hits right? every, every single joke. one. And like I I was very surprised to see a, a very young uh Jane Krakowski from um, Breakable Kimmy Schmidt and 30 yeah, Rock yeah. as uh, Cousin Eddie's daughter. And one of the lines that just absolutely slayed me was when she and uh, um, Audrey are on the um, yeah. seesaw. She's like, I'm going steady now. I'm 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 Frenching and stuff. And then Audrey's like, oh, well, everyone does that or something like that. And then she's like, yeah, but dad says I'm pretty good. <laughs> dad says I'm <laughs> yeah. the best at it. I'm the best at it, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, my God. Like, I... Uh, there's a lot of that very, very blue stuff. Very oh, blue yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. And and it was kind of funny because going into it, I, I – this past weekend, uh, the Red Band trailer for the remake came out, and I watched it, and I was surprised at how raunchy it looked and how much fun it looked. And mm-hmm. going into watching the original, I was kind of like, I wonder if, I wonder if it's the wrong idea for them to go – uh, so raunchy in the remake because I didn't remember this movie being so <laughs> so adult oriented. <laughs> oh yes, and man, is it? And it's surprisingly, it's, shockingly at oh times. yeah, oh yeah, and it and it's such such a good movie, and it's so so much fun from a family 
the family dynamic in it is so great. And, and you're right. Chevy Chase is possibly at his best in this role. Um, and in this, in this movie, just the way that like when you brought up the, uh, the scene between him and Russ after the car breaks down, uh, and, and he's talking about being a man and all that while, while Russ, uh, Rusty is just chugging this beer and unbeknownst to, uh, Clark and just the way that, the way that, Chevy Chase plays aloof and and just kind of kind of ob- oblivious to his surroundings is so natural and so yeah it's like uh, what it, it's the opposite of space work I don't know what you would call that the way yeah. the way he is so purposefully oblivious to the space oh that, absolutely in which he's playing right oh yeah oh absolutely that's that's a that that's probably the best way to define it it's the opposite of space work because he's yeah. not he's just really he's doing so much with minimal with a minimalist approach to to the set and the surroundings uh it's it's really a work of art honestly mm-hmm. and i just <laughs> i kind of completely forgot about the the dog uh what happens to the dog in this yeah. movie yeah oh man <laughs> yeah wow yeah and it's then, it's like too far vacation. Yeah, well, yeah, it's Maybe funny. A little too far, guys. Because that's that's just a little too far. They don't sh- they don't show it or anything like that. But then just the line, like I kind of I was kind of working under the impression that the dog had just run off in the in the because in the scene, if you haven't seen Vacation and the earmuffs, because this is a slight spoiler, I guess. But uh, Clark ties the dog to the to the bumper and then forgets to forgets to put him in the car, and then they drive. <laughs> They drive and hear a rattling, and it's the it's the it's the collar, uh, kind of just dragging along the road, and they get stopped by a motorcycle police officer, who is very. It's distraught. a low point of the movie. It it is it's short of killing a kid. It yeah. is, but but the way that they work it is they don't really like the way that I experienced that scene was that they didn't particularly spell out like I was working under the impression that the cop was under was under the impression that the the dog was dead. And that maybe there was something that I missed, or something, or, or 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 something where the dog like got free of the got free of the collar and ran off before they left. But then just <laughs> just the one line that the yeah. cops, the last line the cop says, "I'll go, I'll go back and and uh, shovel the carcass off the off the road or something like that." I was <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. Just so you know that we went there, right? We're gonna hit this punchline, <laughs> and then you say that it's 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 a low point of the movie. It's it's a it's kind of a almost too far thing. And then what happens with Anne Edna right after that is like a whole other level of just crazy hijinks played for comedic value under a very dark uh, moment in a family. <laughs> I have said it before, and I'll say it again. Daniel LaRusso says it. Uh, Ralph Macchio in The Karate Kid. Hey, it's the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> and that is probably the perfect way to encapsulate vacation. It is. Yeah. Everybody was on coke. So, <laughs> uh, moving on. Mm-hmm. See vacation. Please see vacation. I don't know. Maybe we'll assess when we get through this list, like, which one is the easiest to recommend. But, um mm. Let's see. I'm looking at my list, and there aren't any more comedies. I'll say that. Uh, well, so Vacation is obviously my favorite comedy of all time. Please see it. Would you say the number one is a comedy? I think it's a fantasy adventure. adventure. It's got comedy uh, elements. Sure, sure. Adventure. Okay. Yeah, I go with adventure. It's, a, it's funny. It's funny, but it's a family family adventure. 
Okay, I can yeah. I can I can get on board with that. <clears throat> we we short tangent. We played this game a little bit ago uh, at work. We were kind of trying to discern or teach one of our friends to discern the difference between a horror movie and a thriller. Um, and I think he was kind of confused, thinking maybe that horror and thriller were closely related, when really thriller is closer to action movies. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so he would list a movie and would be like. No, that's actually a, a a fantasy horror movie. You know, they were like Pan's Labyrinth. No, that's actually horror fantasy. Yeah. And, then he, and then he'd be like, uh, you know, and so we were just trying to come up with movies that were thriller. And it's a little difficult, but movies like like Broken Arrow, that's not a thriller. Argo right. is a thriller. Yeah. Yeah. The, right? fugi- the Fugitive is a thriller. Mm-hmm. The Fugitive is a thriller, exactly. Yeah. It's a chase. Usually there's a chase in a thriller. Most of Harrison Ford's career. <laughs> Most of Harrison Ford movies, yeah, yeah. are if... if um, then you have suspense thriller also, like... Suspense uh, thriller, Along yeah. Along King of Spider. Um, the next movie on my list <laughs> is not a thriller. It is a straight horror movie. With thriller aspects? I'm not playing that game. Anyway, number six <laughs> is Scream. Um, and to borrow a line from Matt, and I, and I, this is, Matt totally came up with this, but I'm going to piggyback off of it um, because I think it's true. He calls it the movie that made him love movies, and it is mm-hmm. absolutely one of the movies that made me love uh, this movie. Um, it scared the poop out of me when I was younger. <laughs> Uh, as legend has it, I saw Scream 2 before I saw Scream 1, and mm-hmm. I saw Ghostface just, like, for weeks afterwards. I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. Uh, and so it terrified me. And it wasn't until college that I watched the original Scream, and I just – I loved it so hard. Um, and so what I what I kind of do by putting Scream at my number six is I'm – I'm using the the title scream as a catch-all for the experiences of seeing one and two, and really the the evolution of hating that experience and then loving, feeling a little safer and uh, and getting into horror movies. I you know I I watched Halloween and I watched Friday the Thirteenth when I was younger, but um, the I didn't really get into horror. Sorry, I didn't really get into horror as it were, until I saw Scream. Uh, and so it's it's so easy to put Scream on this list. Matt, mm-hmm. what do you think of Scream? Uh, I adore this movie. It, it Like you said, it is the movie that kind of got me into movies. And I've said this elsewhere, uh, elsewhere on the podcast, but to kind of uh, clarify that statement a bit, because it is a pretty grand statement in and of itself, a movie that makes you get into, uh, that gets you into movies and, I mean, really, this is a this is a '90s slasher movie that that really started the '90s slasher trend or, or reinvigorated the horror genre, and then had a bunch of copycat movies and and uh, um, kind of kind of that paled in comparison to to Scream and, and and the might of Scream and the cleverness of Scream. But to say that it, it's the movie that got me into movies, it's it's because of the characters in the movie and the and the very, very sharp writing, almost to a fault, of of Kevin Williamson. He he would go on to create Dawson's Creek and really populate it with uh teenagers who were of the similar vein of Scream. They were very obsessed with movies, and and or at least Dawson was, and they were very quick to reference movies and stuff like that. But they they spoke at such a ridiculously high intellectual level. Scream was the medium that he that he 
found with with this. This was, I mean, Dawson's Creek came after Scream, but uh, he he really he really broke out with with his his niche in in dialogue writing with Scream, and to hear them, to hear the characters speak so confidently and so eloquently and so uh, big vocabularily um, <laughs> about. <laughs> about their favorite movies and, and this, these encyclopedic knowledges of, of, of the horror genre and everything. Like I saw this at a time when I was like maybe 11, maybe 12. And all I, all I could think about after seeing this movie and, and in anticipation of the sequel was I want to be these characters. I want to have this knowledge of movies. I want, I want to have this, I want to be able to just throw out a reference that, that is, that is intelligent in terms of, uh, a movie, um, and 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 then fast forward to you know now that's why probably why I never completed college. Um, so, <laughs> but Scream is just it's such a delightful experience, and it's so like the the horror aspect of it didn't really capture me the way that it did with with you, Mike. I, I never I was never frightened by it. Uh-huh. Uh, per se, but just the snappiness of it, the cleverness of the writing, and and the the thriller elements of it, as it were, um, is what really made me latch on to Scream and the Scream franchise. Um, and damn, I'm I'm kind of <laughs> I kind of wish that uh, you were still going to be around on the podcast because we could do a, a Scream franchise retrospective. Ah, oh, don't say that. Uh, yeah. Damn. It could have happened after the TV show ended. We could have incorporated that. Mm. Well, we'll hold on to it. Yeah. No. Yeah. We'll do it uh, for Scream 5. Yes, time. yes. When the Scream TV series ends its run. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, Tiny, how do you feel about Scream? Yeah, I, I like this movie. I have, a, I have a pretty... I have a very intense relationship with the movie because... Uh, I mean, first of all, it falls into a fun stat. It's the first rated R movie I ever saw all the way through. Nice. Um, and it's interesting because I wanted to see this movie probably more than just about any other movie that's I've ever seen. And the reason is because I, I keep saying this, and I think it's it's an indicative part of who Mike is, is that this is this movie was so influential on pop culture, on young young adolescent culture at the time um, that like when I would go to school, I was in fifth or sixth grade when this came out and fifth, fifth grade. Yeah. Okay. Fifth grade. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, people would not stop talking about it and it would piss me off because I hadn't seen the movie and my parents wouldn't let me see this movie because it was rated R. Um, and it just drove me nuts because all my friends were talking about this movie and the cute girl I liked at the time would saw this movie and talked about it all the time. And I was like, I, yeah, here it's good. <laughs> Bye. Uh, and so I, I would like, it was to the point where we would go to blockbuster or, uh, red giraffe reference. Oh reference. man. Red giraffe. Red giraffe was a, a movie rental place in our town. I don't know. Was that was. only local? Mike would, have you ever heard of red giraffe? Yeah, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't oh. think, I don't think it was a chain. I don't think so either. Anyways, we would go anyway. to the, we'd go to the movie rental store, and I would grab a copy of it, and we would take it up to the counter, and the person <laughs> would be about to bring it up. My mom would like, no, no. <laughs> like, that's how badly I wanted to see this movie. And then finally, like, towards the end of sixth grade, I think, uh, after people weren't really talking about it as much, my brother, like, borrowed the VHS from somebody, and we watched it 
when my parents were gone or something and i was like really we can watch scream he was like yeah i have the vhs i was like but it's rated r he was like i don't care <laughs> and i was like okay yeah let's watch it and i watched it i was like yeah it was good i liked it it was good it's a good movie and and to this day i still i still do like i like the movie i think it's an incredibly clever idea for a horror movie mm-hmm. um it really just it just i respect it a lot cuz it just reinvented the slasher um and and brought it back to the horror lexicon um and and I enjoy it for its funness and how quirky it is. It's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, did, Mike, do you have anything more to say about Scream? No. Okay, I have a couple of anecdotes about it. Never before heard anecdotes. We've talked about Never Scream. Before. Yes, we've wow. talked about Scream kind of a lot. In, a scoop. In a lot. Exclusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's all built up. But um, <laughs> Better be good, motherfucker. It's, I Jesus. took the best poop last time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was really obsessed with this movie as a kid. In in sixth grade, after I, I saw it for the first time, I, I saw it on VHS. Um, I was obsessed with this movie, and I, I kind of, at a young age, I cultivated my uh, obsessive recommender status <laughs> like i i got my friends to to watch this movie um and got them into it with my uh, my enjoyment of it it came to the point where and this is this is a little disturbing now that i think about it and i think i <laughs> my friends and i would play scream in the in the in the uh at recess <laughs> so imagine being a teacher Yikes. yeah and it was it was essentially tag we were playing tag but we were right. calling it scream um but imagine being a teacher and seeing these little kids running around chasing each other, pretending to stab each other. <laughs> oh, it's healthy. Yeah, which I'm glad that I became a well-adjusted person. Um, another thing is that uh, I was so I was so obsessed with this movie for about a year, year and a half span, uh, up until probably seventh grade, that my I, th- I remember we were at my parents took us took took my siblings and I to a bookstore maybe I think uh, or, or maybe they got this for me as a present or something but I got I had a uh, a published copy of the script mm-hmm. of the uh, of the shooting script of Scream <laughs> and I remember a passing around to my friends showing them the scene where uh, where Sydney loses her virginity. Um, God, that's so mad. Having them read the uh, the I can't I obviously can't remember the lines in the script, but it was something like she she removed her bra and Billy gazed at her breasts or something like that. Um, very tame, but we were like, oh my God, boobs, um, <laughs> boobs written in ink. Um, <laughs> and then the final anecdote about this about about Scream is that um, my friends and I were so. Uh, like I got my friends so hooked on this movie that like one of my friends claimed like, Oh, I know more about scream than you do, Matt. And I was like, no, you don't. And then, (laughs) (laughs) so we, we agreed, we had a gentleman's agreement to study the movie. And then the next day come to school and quiz each other on it. And uh, for sake of anonymity, I won't name names, but that motherfucker went through the goddamn credits and was asking me about like the best boy grip, the key grip, the, oh, the catering, and I'm like, dude, I don't know these things. Weak. No, that's not even fun, <laughs> right? So, but I, oh, I got my revenge on him. His parents moved him to a different to a different school like a year later. <laughs> so I didn't get my revenge on him, but yeah, he he well, moved schools. It was he moved because he was so distressed by yeah 
here. Anyway, he was trying to get away from the shame. He was. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting and super yeah. nerdy. It, yeah. Oh my god, it is. Like I just, I just said this in in a podcast that's going to go out on the internet and people are going to listen to it. <laughs> 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 Ladies, I'm single. <laughs> so yeah, that's all great. right. So here we go. Number five. So we're in the top half. Are we? Does it feel like halfway through? Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's it's funny because these movies are so it's such an eclectic grouping that it, it doesn't feel like we're halfway through. Good. It just feels like we're. I like that it's eclectic. That's kind of important to me. Yeah. So number five is I'll say it, guys. You know I love to make grand statements, right? <laughs> I mean that's that's what I'm here for. That's why mm-hmm. they asked me to be on the podcast in the first mm-hmm. place. This next movie is the reason I have a top 10 list. Oh, oh, wow. Right? So when I saw this movie, like, for the second time in high school, it became my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> of course, it's number five right now. But in high school, Rocky was my favorite movie. And it was my favorite movie for a long time, actually. Uh, not for a long time. I don't know. F- five years, maybe. So we'll say, let's say I saw it. My junior year, so like 2004, I watched Rocky. And then by 2000, I guess, 8, I bumped up my number one. But anyway, uh, so Rocky. Um, we un- it's Surprisingly, we haven't really talked about Rocky all that much, have we? No, not much Not all. really. What works so well about Rocky and what people forget, um, and I was talking about my top five with my wife the other day, and I mentioned Rocky. She says, really? Ew, Rocky. And I said, listen, what's so amazing about Rocky is that there are like two boxing matches in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. It's a a romance drama. It's a drama uh, with a little bit of boxing in it. I Mm -hmm. mean, I guess you can call it a boxing movie. But the... You know, we kind of laugh about what became of Sylvester Stallone's career and that he's trying to do it again. Um, And the sequels became formulaic. And everybody seems to love the fourth one. Um, But the first one is a really, really great character drama uh, of this guy trying to get along in the streets of Philadelphia. uh, And he just wants his one shot. And I read an article one time about um, like the greatest sports movies of all time. And I think they ranked this one number two, Raging Bull being number one. Mm. Um, and the little blurb that went along with it was, uh, people think this is a boxing movie, but the night before the big boxing match, he lets the girl sleep on the bed. So it's just, it's a straight, it's a romance drama. Um, and I and I was shocked to find that out when I watched it in high school. Like, I when I was younger, I watched uh, Rocky Four several times. Um, and I know I have I had seen Rocky, but I I bought it on DVD and just decided to sit down um, and kind of take it in as as kind of an older person. And I loved it so much, and I still love it so much. I'll, I just put it on every now and then. It doesn't it doesn't hit you the same nostalgic way that three and four does, and I guess even two. Um, I mean, those are straight; those are boxing movies, those are action movies. Um, but Rocky is a drama, and it's so so fantastic. This is a miraculous movie, actually. This is another one for me that, like, I, I oversaturated myself with it as a kid, mm-hmm. um, and and I I did I kind of latched onto the fourth one as well. I, I'm part of that crowd, um, and it's it, it is super because the fourth one is just over the top and ridiculous and mm-hmm. so much yeah. fun. Um, but the first one is 
I I think I think it's the better movie than whoever made that list and and put Raging Bull ahead of it. I think they're nuts. I think Rocky takes the cake. I agree. I agree time. 100%. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, Raging Bull is not in my top 4. <laughs> I I would have it in the top maybe I would have it in the top 10, but like 7 maybe mm-hmm. sports mm-hmm. movies. I think Mighty Ducks is a way better sports movie than Raging Bull. Yeah. Um <laughs> anyways, uh Raging Bull was a tough watch. It is, and it's a little too long. I need some editing, but yeah. Anyways, Rocky. Uh, <laughs> the reason why it's such a great sports movie is because there's only two boxing matches in it. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it breaks down for you how being an athlete, and especially an athlete who competes in an individual sport, is about a lifestyle. Uh, and right. how you have to commit almost every single facet of your life to how it's going to affect you in the ring. Um, and that's that is something you don't get in a lot of sports movies, um, yep. and and this movie breaks it down perfectly. I mean, just the the iconic scene where he wakes up out of bed at like four in the morning and cracks the eggs in the glass <laughs> and just chugs them without with with this without a single ounce of joy in his body. Like mm-hmm. no, nothing about him in that moment is happy, but it doesn't matter because all it's doing is improving his mm-hmm. his his moments in the ring. That's all right. he's thinking about. And it needs to be said, it's not a montage moment. I'm, I mean, people like w- when they kind of send up the Rocky movies, uh, and there is a montage in Rocky, but yeah, when they send it up, they always add the eggs cracking and it's always kind of played like, um, with a, with a bit of humor and a wink. And this is not at all. It's not part of the montage. He it's, it's dark and dingy. It's four o'clock in the morning. Like you said, he's disgusted. It gets on his shirt, which I love. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 not what works about this movie is is that it's not what people remember it is. I mean, it, Rocky the movie is not a microcosm of Rocky the series at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also breaks down uh, I mean, if you haven't if you don't know this about Rocky, you're crazy. Uh spoiler alert, he doesn't win. <laughs> but this demonstrates why winning isn't everything and why yep. even when you lose, sometimes you're remembered more than the winner. Uh, and that's that's such a such a rare thing in sports that almost no one experiences uh and and it's it's because you have to be one of the best in the world at whatever sport it is you're playing to to achieve that um mm-hmm. but it's 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 just an amazing thing to see captured on film even if it is fiction mm-hmm. yeah. I haven't watched Rocky in a very long time and i I need to really revisit really the entire franchise but i I have very fond memories of, of the first movie in, in the Rocky Pantheon. Um, and I can't really, there's not really much I can say that, that you guys haven't already covered. And, uh, and I can't really say with that much confidence cause I haven't seen in a long time, but I will say that one, uh, our friends over at Kate's take did a, did a really thorough, uh, retrospective two part retrospective episodes about, uh, the Rocky franchise that that was a really, really entertaining and really, really strong. But, um, something that I, I remember really loving about Rocky is that just the character of, of Rocky, he's, he's mm-hmm. this kind of, if I'm remembering correctly, he's, he's like kind of a, he kind of just, uh, a, a little, not not two bit criminal, but he he works for you know organized criminals, right? Or, or he's yeah, he's kinda... he, uh, yeah. I don't I don't know that he's an outright criminal, but he works for criminals right. absolutely. He, that's just how he makes. He's a he's a thug. He's, he's a, a hired thug. hand. He's yeah. a muscle. 
and yet he that's not the movie never from my memory of him the movie never lets that define him as a person and he's he's still an endearing character and that's something that that could have that in another in another movie would have been just played up for for melodrama and and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i can't speak with authority about rocky but i i really really enjoyed it when it, when i saw it and i need to revisit it yeah. by the way for listeners uh there is a box set on amazon of all six movies on Blu-ray, twenty-five dollars. Really? That is an amazing deal. I wish I yeah, had twenty-five dollars to buy that yes. right now. I actually have that. My brother bought yeah. that for me. Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I watched it over a Christmas break. It's it's fantastic. Nice. I may I may pick that up this weekend. I'll awesome. do it. Yeah. Will not regret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. Great pick. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Thanks. Um. So I'll do, and I mean this. I'll do number four quickly. Um, I'm not kidding. Number four is Star Wars. And when Mm -hmm. I say Star Wars, I mean A New Hope. Um, And I have explained before why I mean that. I have explained before what Star Wars means to me. Um, So I think what I should explain is why it's not number one. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, obviously, it's because... Star Wars Episode Four, so Episode Three, Two, and One is is your Three, Two, and One, right? Well, <laughs> spoiler alert! Thanks for that. <laughs> we can just end the episode now. Yeah, no, those are they're not. That's funny. Um, <laughs> why is it not number one? I think that Star Wars means to me so much more than just movies. Um, if I'm looking. At, What's interesting about this list is that it's not objectively, um, you know, which is the best movie. I, I, that's obviously not the case. But when you get towards the top, you have to you have to consider that at least take that into account enough. Um, and so, Star Wars is a fantastic movie, uh, and I will I will defend it to the end. Um, but it's not it's not a wow movie for me. Uh, the same way the top three are. It's not as important to why I love movies as the top three are. Star Wars for me um, is about a is is a lifestyle. Um, you know the the reason Star Wars is so popular today. Yeah, the movie is fantastic and people love the movie and it made a bajillion dollars. But um, the toys, uh, the lore, the expanded universe, the, the it's the the expansion. It's the brand that um, has sustained it for so long it's sure as not the prequels that um are keeping us still talking about star wars today um and so i love star wars for all those reasons i love star wars because i have um several action figures i love star wars because i i love the video games i love star wars because i've seen the movies more times than i can count um i don't i don't love star wars because i think star wars is the greatest movie i've ever seen it's fucking awesome but it's not the greatest movie i've ever seen yeah, I think I understand why you put it at number four because, you know, when you get this high on the list, you kind of, you unrelentingly have to give some, you have to throw in some objectivity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you a, must. Yeah, you, you have, have to. to take into account the, the quality of a movie. Right, you have to. And so I, I, that's probably where I'd put Star Wars if I had a top ten. I, <laughs> okay. In all seriousness, I was recently revisiting some old episodes of the podcast, and Mm -hmm. uh, one of those episodes was the One Night Party Movies episode, and in it, I had to 
rewind or, or go back on the episode like twice to make sure I actually said this statement. But <laughs> I slipped in there and I said that American graffiti is better than Star Wars. Yes, I remember. Yeah, that. I remember. Which, <laughs> which I will go on record here and now and say that that is just empirically wrong. Um, <laughs> I was Thank way you. off. Star it Wars. It took a year. It did. But thanks. <laughs> Tiny, be cool. I'm just saying this for Mike's benefit. Okay. Um, just kidding. But um, no. Uh, Star Wars is like you mentioned the lore, the fandom, the expanded universe. It's it, it's expansion. It, just how it's a lifestyle came about from this movie. Um, that more people latched onto than probably any other franchise or, or piece of, of entertainment has, has garnered, um, since or, Oh, absolutely. Or, or in the future. Um, and I recently within the past earlier this year, I, I rewatched all the movies. And the one thing that I kept coming back to when watching the first one, uh, was, was a couple things. One, it is without question one of the absolute most tightly written, tightly paced movies I've ever, ever seen. Like mm. it's it's so it's so perfectly constructed in its storytelling and, and the way that it, it just unfolds everything. It's like there's not a moment that is that should have been on the cutting room floor. There's it's it's just magnificent in in that regard. And another thing that I kind of came keep coming. Oh, wow, I kept coming back to was that Star Wars. It, I, I believe Mike. I believe that you said this uh, in reaction to uh, to my my grand statement about uh, American Graffiti and the One Night Party Movies episode. But mm-hmm. Star Wars redefined movies. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing that I kept thinking about when, when going through that box set, when I got it back in uh, January, that it's not only did it, it brought so much inspiration to a new generation of um, filmmakers, people that would go on to make some of my absolute favorite things in, in, entertainment uh lost is heavily influenced the the writers of lost are heavily influenced by star wars uh jj abrams is you know he star wars <laughs> when when jj abrams and damon lindelof met uh to to work on the pilot of lost uh damon lindelof showed up wearing a star wars shirt and they connected they con- instantly connected over that shared mm-hmm. fandom mm-hmm. and just just knowing that just thinking about what would have what would happen if if you went into an alternate universe and Star Wars never existed like the hollywood as a as a business and as the entertainment that hollywood churns out today would be vastly different in a in a universe where Star Wars did not exist um, it's that influential and Word. I make so many jokes, uh, about not being a part of the fandom for it and everything. And most of it is, uh, most of that is, you know, just, just friendly ribbing. And a lot of it's because, well, they just keep coming to me, but, um, 
<laughs> um, you are really changing your tune on this one. I, well, you know, I, you know, um, recently, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, the first Star Wars movie is iconic and worthy of its status. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, that's my, uh, that's, that's my, that's my thoughts on Star Wars. Well, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Now, Attack of the Clones. Now, the sand is coarse. If we're talking good movies. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, of course, we will talk more about Star Wars in December. Would you? Are you saying attack? I mean, I know you're making a joke, but do you think Attack of the Clones is the worst? Is the worst one? Oh, that's yeah. It's a tough choice. It is. It's I, not for me. It's it's easily Episode One. Is, I think is the worst. One's a little worse, maybe. I think. I think you know. And I think. And I would. I would argue by far. We don't have the time for it, but I would say by far. I I'll I'll just say briefly that I I come down in the middle of them. I would say that episode one is the worst, the worst in terms of filmmaking and just general storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, episode two is the most boring, but mm-hmm. I I hold I hold the Phantom Menace to somewhat of a higher regard for nostalgia because that was kind of my entry point to the Star Wars um, franchise. Well, no wonder. (laughs) Jesus. It was when I was in like junior high and I I don't know if I actually told this story on the podcast or not, but um, I went on a trip to Kings Island um, with my my best friend at the time um, in fifth or sixth grade actually. Or when uh, when did how old were we when it came out? We were in sixth grade when episode one came we out. We were in sixth grade, correct? Yeah. Well, was, we we had just finished sixth grade. Yeah. Okay, so it was the summer between uh, sixth and seventh grade. I went to Kings Island for I think it was a school trip or whatever. But I I hung out with my my best friend at the time. I think this was at a time when we were kind of growing apart as friends, or we were about to grow apart as friends. I think I don't know, but anyway. Oh. Well, you know, going from elementary to middle middle school is a trying time. Uh, anyway. Um, so he told me in vast detail, just the, uh, the plot of, of the Phantom Menace. And, uh, I thought, wow, this actually sounds pretty cool. I I don't know much about Star Wars, but I mean, I think I really kind of, and I don't know what this says about me, but I enjoyed the idea of a, uh, of, of, of a Jedi and his apprentice, working together on something and then the, the Jedi falling and the apprentice having to, having to take on the villain in, in by himself and, and kind of that, that growth kind of sounded yes, appealing to me. That would be awesome if that's what the movie was about. Exactly. Yeah. And he framed it that way when he explained it to me and, uh, and say what you will about episode one. It is a, it is a travesty of, of a movie, but how cool is Darth Maul? Um, very badass yeah, yeah. Very, uh, and that that crime that they killed him yeah yeah and that uh that duel at the end pretty it awesome. was just was really cool and the music too i mean but we'll we'll save that when we talk about your number one movie mike yes <laughs> so um number three on my list i would go to bat and say is probably the best movie on this list mm-hmm. um it is a vault movie so let's not spend too much time on it uh but it's pulp fiction and i'd be willing to bet like i see this movie over time as i get older creeping its way up onto the list <laughs> 
number one will probably never change just because it's number one. But I can see over time just realizing the importance of a movie like Pulp Fiction and, and the importance of it to me uh, becoming number two. But w- whatever, that's the future. Number three is is Pulp Fiction. Um, and I saw this in high school and I saw this before Scream. And this for me is the movie that made me uh, uh, love movies the way I do today. I, I think I've said this before with the Vault episode. It's the reason I sought out directors um, Quentin Tarantino was the first director whose name I ever learned by heart. Um, and so Pulp Fiction, uh, not as important as Star Wars is, but uh, it, it's uh, the most 90s movie that there is, probably the most important movie from the 90s. Um, and I love every second of this movie. Um, and I And I remember watching it. I remember fondly watching it in high school several times. So uh, Pulp Fiction is an easy number three, and and like I said, it might work its way up here in the future. I would not fault you if you put this up higher on your list, and even saying that it's higher higher on the list is you know two above it, or there are only two movies above it. Um, this is such a this is a movie that that defined a generation of moviegoers. I, I hear all the time. Almost to the point where it's almost, frankly, annoying um, <laughs> hearing <laughs> yeah. people say like, "Oh, did this like talking about Pulp Fiction as as this uh, as if it were this this." Uh, I'm trying to connect it to the to the brief. What's in the briefcase? But it, it, speaking speaking about it as if it's this holier than thou godlike structure, and uh, I mean it's it's a movie, but I mean, my God, it is such a well crafted movie, and watching having it um the way that it's edited into a non a non-linear format just makes it even more better more better uh more better more makes, better. It, makes it even <laughs> makes it even more enjoyable to me and uh yeah uh yeah uh, i don't I don't really have much else to say, but I have a couple other anecdotes, but I don't want to, I don't want to bogart your final episode with anecdotes about my life. So. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's, we're a team. Okay. What, what I'll say about it, and it's brief, mm-hmm. if aliens were to come to the earth and they were friendly and they were like, hey, you're humans, what's up? Uh, if I were trying to explain to them what movies are and I had to show them one movie, I'd probably pick this one. Really? That's a great way to put that. I think it is such it's just so important hmm. in the history of what movies can be. Like what <laughs> what it, it hits so many notes of what you can do with a film. Like what It's fun, it's art, it's indicative of its time, it's yeah, exciting. It's violent, it's funny, it's scary, it's ridiculous, it's it's just so many different things. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I took that scenario way too literally, <laughs> thinking like, really, you would show them a movie that doesn't that doesn't uh, that isn't a uh, um, that's non linear that's non linear shows shows uh, the dark side of human nature where where we have gangsters everyday lives we have guys getting raped and <laughs> stuff like that. Hey, uh, indicative of our time. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, all right. But, but <laughs> what, something being linear is the default, so they would already understand that okay, linear uh, exists. Well, just think I'll, like, I'll put this a better way. Let me <laughs> let me say this. Um, what I ima- what I imagine 
you guys thought would happen first was I would have a kid, and that's when I would leave the podcast. <laughs> um, I, I is, did think that. that. I did think that. <laughs> yeah, that's not the case right now, but it, mm-hmm. but we will have kids. Um, and Pulp Fiction, while I'm super, super psyched to show my kids all of these movies, particularly mm-hmm. number one, especially Star Wars, um, Vacation I think is going to be fun, Blues Brothers is going to be fun. Anyway, I, I think like the one I'm most nervous that my kid will like is Pulp Fiction. Like <laughs> that that's the movie that I want to wait till he or she is like 14 and just be like, you want to see the coolest movie of all time? Let's watch <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I, I like that. Um, I would replace aliens with like some, some tribe that's like never been. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, because the tribe is aware that things like stories exist. Sure. You know what I mean? This, this might be a different discussion. For maybe another episode. I was trying to be brief. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can do another episode where it's like, what movies would we use to confuse the f- out of aliens? <laughs> but anyway, Inception, yeah. Not Inception. <laughs> uh, uh, Interstellar. <laughs> yes, yes. Because then they, yeah, I, I like Am that. Am I supposed because... to like this? They speak English, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they think that we've mastered interstellar travel. They think that we're all idiots for liking this movie. So anyway, oh. um... <laughs> uh, jab and a hook. <laughs> uh, Number anyway. two. Yes, yes. <laughs> of course, it's Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, number two is Halloween. We did. We did a Halloween retrospective episode. It's like the first thing I mentioned when we did our first Shocktober episode. Mm-hmm. When we uh, and I will come back and do a Shocktober episode with you guys. Oh yes, I will talk. I will find a way to squeeze Halloween uh, <laughs> in there. I, I'm excited for all things Halloween. This the same way Star Wars is an important part of my life for most of the year. It's not really appropriate to love Halloween as much as I love Star Wars throughout the year. But mm-hmm. um, for like the three months, the four months that surround Halloween, it's all about Halloween. Like I was thinking today, it's like, well, I better start listening to now playing's Halloween retrospective. It's about mm-hmm. that time of year. <laughs> so, so I can make sure that I get in, you know, uh, the Halloween novel before summer hits. And then <laughs> I can, I mean, it's, I f- love halloween um i've spoken about it so many times it's the i I can't put scream ahead of it of course because Mm -hmm. there would be no scream without halloween i mean they use the soundtrack they use the score of halloween in scream Mm -hmm. um i just i love everything about halloween i love um it's a that it's a feeling movie for me i i think it's a little harder to defend to defend quality wise um, it's not impossible to defend. I think it's a fantastic made movie. Um, and as far as indie movies are concerned, it's, it's, it's the tops. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. of the top. Um, but it, you know, it, it's old and it's dated of course, and it's an indie movie. So it's, it's very low budge, but, uh, I mean, Halloween is, is fantastic. It's there's there's no doubt it's a number two. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And and yes, we've we've talked we've talked about Halloween. You you've you've talked about it a lot, but it, it's for me it, again. It's it's all atmosphere. It builds it. It is it defines the the fall season for me. Uh, it encapsulates the fall season in in a two hour movie or mm-hmm. maybe less than two hour movie. It's like like yeah. I don't I can't think of another movie that really can evoke feelings about a season uh, quite like Halloween can for me. 
Um, and a quick anecdote about Scream. Uh, you're right. Scream, Scream would not exist without Halloween. And it's funny because in that script that I that I had for Scream, the introduction or, or the 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 introduction is written by uh, Kevin Williamson, and he goes into detail about how when he was a kid, he would he went to the movie theater, he saw Halloween, he didn't know anything about it. He remembers he he remembers uh, running like running his feet over the over the um, the floor in time with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis on the screen because he was so wrapped up in it that he was like, he was, he was so jazzed by what was going on in it that is this in the introduction to the script to scream? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and yeah, he just goes on to say that, that this, that Halloween had such a, such a big influence on him growing up that he, I, I don't know if he he wanted to replicate that in in the script for Scream, but it was very much uh, they're so intrinsically tied with him that um, that Scream wouldn't exist without Halloween. Mm-hmm. Awesome, yep. it's a great movie. Yeah. So should we do number one? Let's do it. I think we should. Yes. Is there anybody listening to this podcast who? still listening to this podcast. <laughs> like the only people still listening to this episode are the people who've listened to an episode before, right? Yeah, probably. Like shout now, tweet us right now <laughs> if you're hearing this for the first, if you're hearing this show for the first time and you've made it an hour and 15 minutes into the episode or so. <laughs> like seriously, tweet us. Yes. So you know, of course, that my favorite movie of all time is Back to the Future, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, people know that Back to It was... Um, Matt used, am I getting like choppy? Like, yeah, you're getting, off right now? yeah yep. you're getting choppy. Is it, is it still going? Uh, no, I think it's better. I think it stopped. Yeah, yeah it, stopped. it stopped. Okay. All right. So you know that my favorite movie is Back to the Future. Of course. Of course. Matt actually hijacked this when we did vault movies. He took it right out from under me, but that's, that's fine. That's like funny. I didn't, I didn't want to do it cause I thought it would be too obvious cause I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I hate that we, <laughs> I hate that this, we did it in this order. So it's like grand finale, but I've spoken <laughs> so much about back to the future that there's not really, um, there's not really a whole lot left to say. It's one of the movies I've seen more than any other movie. Um, it speaks so much to so many of my sensibilities. I love science fiction. Um, I am obsessed with the idea and the impossibility of time travel, um, I love. I really loved Michael J. Fox for a long time. Um, I love so much about this movie that it ca- that I I worry that even if a movie affected me in a new way, the same way Back to the Future did in the first place, I would just never be able to m- like relinquish. Uh, the title of my favorite movie from Back to the Future. I just, I think it will always be. I am so pleased that I have seen it in theaters, mm-hmm. um, and I, I will buy every version of Back to the Future that comes out ever. Nice, yeah. nice. This is How do you guys feel about this it? This is heavy duty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a there, a brief uh, brief aside. There's a uh, there's a picture that I saw. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a picture of of Marty saying this is heavy, and then Doc in the next panel says, "Do you f- do you even lift, Marty?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. But uh, yeah, I, I I mean I if I were 
one okay okay i'll frame it this way um i said that star wars if an alien came to earth Uh, I said that Star Wars is one of the most tightly written and tightly paced movies I've ever seen. Back to the Future, I I would say the same thing about it. It's it's one of the one of the most breezy runtimes of any movie I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. And Back to the Future is a movie that I I latched onto more than I more than I did on Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. So it holds an even a, a cherished space in my heart uh, for that reason and also the the cleverness of all the callbacks and and everything like that i i listened to the uh now playing uh review of it and it, it was kind of funny that they're they were kind of not down on it but they they were kind of critiquing the use of callbacks and and stuff like that and they were kind of getting really comprehend or really really deep into their discussion about them i like even pointing out these little i would i would i'd go so far as to say nitpicks about it um it didn't tarnish my enjoyment of the movie at all because it's it's such it's such a piece of my mm-hmm. my my growth as as a as a movie fan and as just a a fan of of storytelling in general um and i'm i'm rambling a bit but it's it's such a fantastic movie i, I absolutely adore it uh tiny what do you think of back to the future Agreed. Uh, it would definitely make the top five of my top ten. Um, awesome. Yeah. It, it, cool. Mike said it's the, you know, he's probably seen it more than any other movie. I think it's the same for me. I've probably seen it 20 times or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there, you know, there's a while where TNT was showing it like every single weekend. Um, and so I'd watch it on TV all the time. And, uh, and, it's, and the reason is because it always feels the same when you watch it. It's amazing that it has that rewatchability factor to it. Because I'm always worried about Doc connecting the cable right when the DeLorean <laughs> touches it. You know, it's like I, I worry every time that he's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when I saw it in theaters, everybody laughed and everybody gasped on cue. Uh, everybody was into it on cue. It was just amazing. Yep. Yeah. Um that's another thing that I love about the movie and, and its sequels even is that they do such they there's a there's an expertise and a magic to the way that these movies that the Back to the Future movies um establish a scenario and then play up the tension of that scenario to its absolute limit. Like it's mm-hmm. these, the, the, the final sequences in the back to the future movies, um, say what you will about the movies themselves, the sequels, the quality of the sequels and everything, everything, but the stakes of these, of these, of the climax of the movies are so intense and so yes. gripping that it's, it's unlike anything I've, I've, I can really, I can't really match it to any other other movie off the top of my head. It's so, totally. it's so well well executed. Totally, um, yeah. Tuts, tuts, with guts. Yep. So I think that does it. I think so too. Yeah. That is my top ten favorite movies of all time. Wow. Currently. So then Currently. next week we're going to do Mike's top 10 TV shows, right? 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 <laughs> Unfortunately, that also means that this is it for me, at least for the foreseeable future on Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Right. 
We'll get you yep. back for, for, like you said, a Shocktober episode. And we will be back. Yeah, uh, Shocktober at the latest for sure. Yeah. And we'll – and. In in all seriousness, like we ended like we ended last week's episode with a bit of a, a bit of a love fest and everything. Um, so, Mike, I want to tell you I can't stand you. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's this isn't your exit. Like like we're saying, like oh, Mike's final episode, Mike's farewell, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You are exiting the podcast. You're you're taking a leave of absence from the podcast, but you're obviously like like I said last week, you're always going to be a part of the podcast, whether you like it or not. Um, the way that we decided that you were going to be a part of the podcast before we even started. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's, well, you thanks. Know. I mean, that, that means a lot. And I, and I, and I hope that that sentiment comes through when I say to you guys that I'm, that I'm just taking a step back. I, oh. I will always be an obsessive viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, if, uh, again, so just listeners, so you know that there's no like behind the scenes turmoil or anything. We have our pod chat and I will mm-hmm. continue to participate actively on that. Oh, yeah. uh, hopefully when I get a little more time to write, I'll be able to contribute to the blog. Um, and, I, and I will be back for sure. And um, so it's uh, what's I feel like there's I could do a movie reference right now. It's not goodbye. It's I'll see you later. What movie is that from? Oh, what is that from? Oh, hmm. And we call ourselves obsessive viewers, right? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, for the worst. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's my 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 last comment on the show on the show called obsessive viewer is a misquote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might hang on. It says, "Is it John Q?" I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like John Q, but it's okay. It's not. It's not. It's. It's not a movie you want to reference on your exit from no, the podcast. That's so much. No. I don't know. I'm just gonna let's say it's Star Wars. But um, <laughs> no. It, uh, and it's funny because last week when we were when we were ending the episode, Mike, you mentioned that um, that the podcast is the coolest thing you've ever d- been a part of, and uh, and. Uh, like I, I just thought, like that's that's. A, I said one of one the of the coolest, things. one of the coolest. Okay, you said one of the coolest things, and I was like, I never really thought that this that this would become a cool thing. So, so yeah. that that really that was a that was a nice sentiment. Yeah, well, heck yeah, it has. Yeah. It's it's awesome. I'm I'm excited to see what you guys do, um, listeners. To you guys, thank you, thank you for every single download, every like, every share. That's it's been awesome. Keep it coming. Um. So if they if we make a bunch of money off of this, I can get some of that money. That'd be yes. sweet. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And like we said, there is no, there are no, um, no ill feelings behind the scenes or anything like that. But uh, I think next week, me and Tanya are going to discuss uh, contract uh, disputes <laughs> as a topic. So yep. look forward to that. We Come back next week for contract disputes. <laughs> we are planning on Zuckerberging, Mike. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Look forward to f***ing contract goddamn disputes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this has gotten, gotten silly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Out of control. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, talk to you guys later. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Love you, buddy. Love you. Love you, too. Thank you, guys. Thank you, listeners. All right, bye. All right, bye. Bye. Tiny, it's... 
it's nice to meet your voice. Yes, it's nice to put a voice with the name. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've had a theory for for a while. I've known Matt for eight years. I've had a theory for about seven that there is no Tiny. That ah. There, that Tiny is a fabrication of Matt's uh, either imagination or 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 just some sick ruse that he... psychosis. <laughs> yeah. Like, if any if anybody's gonna pull that off, it'd be Matt. Well, we've come to the uh, part of the podcast that is everybody's favorite part the potpourri section of our podcast uh, where we can talk about whatever we want as long as it smells good. Uh, nice. We can talk. Yeah, thanks. In 2013, I watched movies. <laughs> what was that? It is my lowest total since I've been keeping score, and I'm embarrassed to say I only watched 173 movies. 2001 is a bad movie, and you guys are wrong. Damn. Stanley Kubrick... Uh, there's more. <laughs> that was page one. I love the movie Step Up 3. Pulp Fiction changed movies, I think. Changed movies forever. It, it, it went back, like I said. I mentioned uh, the big action movies in the 80s. This was a reaction to that. And, and the 90s and on was defined by what, what Pulp Fiction did to movies in 1994. And I'm like, Kevin, so did you watch the whole movie? He goes, I'm not, I'm not Kevin. And I was like, oh, what? God. And he goes, I'm Jason. <laughs> that is awesome. And I didn't sleep. Oh. And I wonder, I wonder if that is why from for my whole life, slashers have been it for me. But you're missing the point That's right. that he was a dude and she was a dude. <laughs> but, the, but the point, oh, Anthony, yes. is that we're all dudes. Oh, what? Mike, what? <laughs> Seriously? Seriously? The storytelling is what you're going to go with, which is better? You know, like, Star like, Wars is the greatest everything. story ever. I mean, it is the classic hero's tale. Sure. <laughs> oh, right? Maybe that's how your mind works, that it always yeah. gets sexual, but I think it's like a wrestling move. Huh. The Brooklyn Decker! <laughs> they were not allowing themselves to change with the characters. I think the story should dictate how the story ends and the characters and their growth should dictate how the story ends. Hold on a second. We need to address... Who's this? Mike, Bill, Stevie, Uh, Tim? uh, Mike, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Are you covered in Chicago sports tattoos? I am covered in Chicago sports tattoos. Yes, I am. It's funny that you brought that up. The joke, and I can't believe I'm saying this in front of Uh a live audience, is that uh, I was born about nine months after they won the Super Bowl. So I had no choice but to be a Bears fan. But they're faded memories. It's the same kind of thing where, like, you look at a picture book and you think, am I actually remembering that or am I just remembering this picture? Or am I just remembering that I remember it? The Saw sequels are a guilty pleasure of mine. I think they're great. Uh, The Daredevil movie I thought was pretty awesome. I think Dude, Where's My Car is hilarious. Yeah, I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. It drives me nuts. They'll say, oh, that's gay. And I'm like, well, a movie can't be gay because it has no feelings for other movies. It's an inanimate (laughs) object. But the movie is great. It's a great family movie. It's one of those movies I'm, like, excited to show my kids one day. Star Wars changed movies forever. (laughs) Forever. American Graffiti influenced Happy Days. <laughs> right. And then when it was over, I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. It was cool. It was a, it was a, it was a cool movie. <laughs> all while driving home, I'm like, dance. And I'm like, I could dance like that. I could do that. I could do that. 
by its original title, I'll call it Jack and F***ing Joe. <laughs> we know he could do it. And you apparently think he's smart enough to be that self-aware. Why isn't he making good movies? Yeah, you guys don't hate me, do you? Oh, I do, I do f***ing hate Matt for saying Well, that. you know. Star Wars. Cool. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was a real. It was it, this was great. Yeah, have to do it again. Absolutely. Cool. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say for all of you step up three watchers, all of you dancers out there, just remember, born from a boombox, BFOB out. Uh, Please don't let that be the last word. <laughs> I was like, are we being quiet now? <laughs> BFOB! <laughs> Thank you for listening to the yeah. last ever episode of the Obsessive Viewer <laughs> Podcast. It's more like, sorry you listened. Yes. Mike's last episode. <laughs> <laughs>